welcome everyone to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Today's guest is John H. Davis. He is a 10-year Army veteran uh, who joined in 2008, um, found a passion for education uh, throughout his uh, time in service, and then whenever he uh, got out, he decided to go and use his GI Bill at St. Joseph's College for history, and then went on to Harvard uh, to get a uh, master's in education. During that transition, during that time, he found that in the speed bumps that he was experiencing uh, become, uh, being a transitioning soldier to a civilian life and what he went through getting his education, he said, you know what? I think I'm gonna write a book about this. So he did. And the name of the book is Combat to College. And John is now joining the Scuttlebutt to talk about the book, talk about his journey, talk about tips and tricks that he has uh, for veterans who are looking to use their GI Bill and get an education after their service. We talk not only about that, but what it means to continue your service to your country after you have served. John has a great website with lots of information on it and a blog that we talk about. Uh, I hope that you enjoy the conversation with him today. Uh, I certainly did. And please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And if you've been with the Scuttlebutt for some time, thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, we are fast approaching 100 episodes, uh, and it's been an absolute joy uh, throughout every single one uh, of these episodes and meeting all of these guests and covering all of the topics that we do. And if you're joining us for the very first time, please check back on all of the episodes that we have had prior to this one. Um, we've come a long way, and I, I hope that you find something within our history of the podcast that would pique your interest. Uh, you can always reach me at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Always interested to hear your thoughts, your comments, and if you have suggestions for future podcasts, I'm always uh, open ears about that. So uh, thank you so much, and enjoy the show. John Davis, super excited to have you a part of the Scuttlebutt today. Thank you so much for joining the program. I'm really excited to dive into your book. Uh, love for you to introduce yourself. It's like to be here, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so I grew up in the great state of Iowa. We call it we call it heaven here, though, and joined the military after high school. And well, after high school, I actually drifted into community college because that's what you're supposed to do. But when I was that age, I was far more interested in girls and alcohol than going to class and eventually that led me into the military where I kind of really I felt like I thrived there in the team environment that I was so used to playing sports growing up and after the military I did 10 years as an infantryman in the army and after the military my first stop again was college and when I got to college I kind of landed into, into a really good position where I was in a military friendly college and I got a job helping other student veterans and that really opened my eyes to wanting to help student veterans kind of where they're at, because so many of so many, so many veterans go to college right after they leave service, and a lot of them don't make it all the way through. So I wanted to write a book to help veterans get there. And that led me into veteran advocacy, where I've spoken to Congress. I did my master's at Harvard, and now I'm working writing full time, helping other veterans through different therapies. There's a lot in there. There's many, many years of teaching and learning uh, throughout. Um, and we're going to get to your book, uh, Combat to College. Um, interested in uh, the tips that you uh, mm -hmm. provide in the book. And not only that, but how you uh, relate uh, to veterans who are going to be uh, seeking uh, post-service education. Um, but let's let's take a step back real quick. You uh, Community college, you mentioned in the very beginning of your book, uh, so no, no spoilers here, uh, that you, you, you fail out of two community colleges before entering the military? Yep. So I failed out of community college. And it's funny because I talk about, oh, I failed out of community college, but now I have a master's degree from Harvard because the military ingrained in me those skills and disciplines to be successful in the classroom that mm -hmm. I didn't have pre-military. So I was always kind of looking for challenges in my life. And I think that's what leads a lot of people into the military is looking for challenges. But I wasn't really challenged, at least not in the right way, initially when I went to college. I just wasn't passionate about learning or anything like that. And then the military, what I loved about the military was training soldiers. I was a military instructor. And since then, I've taught everything from American Ninja Warrior. I taught English for a little bit in Thailand. I've taught incarcerated youth when I was working on my bachelor's degree. So I've really got into the whole concept of teaching and learning as, you know, as, as just, I think it's such a beautiful process. Was military even on your radar though, at that point? Did you come from a military family or was it just like, okay, this is an option? 
I think, you know, after you graduate high school, you, you kind of got three options. You got college, the military or workforce and college obviously didn't work out to me, work out for me and whatever job I was going to get as a 18 or 19 year old community college dropout was probably not going to be something I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So the military kind of seemed like a good fit at the time. And it was more, you know, I didn't really know anything about the military. Like I went there and just kind of signed up for the army. And then a month later, you know, I was in basic training. Three months later, I was in Afghanistan. So kind wow. of like just thrown right into it, which, you know, I, I like the trial by fire situation anyway. So it worked out well for me. Um, and why did you, did you choose army? Because you just walked into the recruiter and that's what happened? Or, you know, was there a reason that you selected them? It was between the army and the Marines for me. And I went in, I think it was just the I like the, the army recruiter more the marine recruiter. I was more I walked in there kind of, you know, timid. And he was it was the marine. Recruiter. I was like, hey, I'm interested in joining the Marines. He goes, why the hell do we want you? You know, and I felt like he's a little aggressive, <laughs> that kind of marine mentality, which I think works for some people. But me at the time, I was like, I, I, I'm not so sure about this guy. And the army guy is like, you know, let me tell you about what, how we'll pay for your college. And the marine guy was more like, you know, a little bit more intense, which yeah, I yeah. think is kind of says a lot about the marines and what year was this this was 2008 okay so surge uh time yeah so my first deployment is 20 20 2010 it took me like a little bit to ship out uh for basic training but yeah so my first i was in there for the surge was there a culture shock when you entered was there you know like oh like i don't know i didn't know i was signing up for this or were you sort of expecting it it was a big, it's a big transition, I think, for anyone. I think every military person kind of divides their life in a, you know, three lives. You have your pre-military life, you have your military life, and your post-military life. I think, and how kind of how we deal with those transitions, you know, determines our level of success. So when I first got in there, my thing was I was, I met a lot of my platoon in Afghanistan because they literally, I put me on a plane, sent me straight there when I got to Fort Campbell, Tennessee, and kind of in group kind of proving myself quickly on on a team kind of proved difficult because these guys have been together for a year and I was kind of one of those you know last attachments to kind of get put on the beef up numbers right beforehand right. and I think it was more a learning cur curve as far as the military and tactic tactics go because the first time I fired a 50 cals in combat I was in a truck didn't know what I was doing you know so it was, it was kind of trial by fire all the way through you mentioned learning curve and I feel like that's sort of the theme of this this episode today um did you have a mentor as you know going into the military was there something if you were you know there had to have been some early value that you had for education so there might have been mentors that you were looking up to and learning from uh as you entered um how, how did that go my grandfather was was in the military just after world war ii and he was part of the occupation force for germany okay. and he told me at the time because he was you know I, I grew up without a father, so I was a little more close, a little closer to him. He told me, well, the military straightened you out. And at the time, I definitely needed to be straightened out. And he says, you know, when they meet eight o'clock, you know, God damn it, they meet eight o'clock. There's no there's no messing around about that. So I think that kind of helped me. And I always grew up with kind of a love for reading, but not a love for education. You know, I love yeah. reading science fiction books. I love reading, you know, Lord of the Rings type books and all those you know, types of stuff. I loved yeah. Harry Potter when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I loved reading, but not necessarily learning. But I had to find ways to connect the two because obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of books and learning now. And in the military, what mentors did you look up to, you know, in basic, um, all the way through into Afghanistan? And that's what's amazing about the military is you have this built in kind of mentorship program that goes all the way through it no matter where you're at there's someone in charge of you and you're you're usually in charge of someone else so you always have someone to guide you and then when veterans get into the civilian world that kind of guidance slips away and it's hard to know what to do and i think that's what adds to a lot of the transition stress that veterans face but i would say in the military i had so many different mentors and people that contributed you know i had my first company commander who really took kind of a uh a liking to i think my work ethic because I, you know, I was a big gym guy at the time. So we go to the gym together and things like that. And I think that he, you know, he gave me kind of some decent advice that I pass on, passed on to other soldiers. He said, there's three rules here. First rules look good. Second rules know what you're doing. And third rule, if you don't know what you're doing, look like you know what you're doing. And I kind of, <laughs> you know, put that into my life. And I was like, that's, you know, I'll, I'll live by that. It's like, if you're not first, you're last. I'll live by that, that motto for the next few years. Right. Oh, excellent. Um, so mentioning transition and, you know, 
I would love to dive more into just your service and maybe we'll touch on more of that as we go along here. Um, but more specifically, okay, you transitioned civilian to military life, military to civilian life. What was, what was the transition back like for you? And, and where did you see hiccups and speed bumps along the way that you were like, this is a no-go for me. I'm going to try to make this better for everyone else. I really struggled with my initial transition because I was so used to having someone kind of there to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And when, when there wasn't anyone there to tell me what to do, I kind of did nothing. So much of my identity was in the military. You know, the military kind of carves this deep identity into you over years of service. And then when that falls away, you don't really know who you are. I think can that- I, Can I interrupt real quick? Go ahead. What is that identity? The military identity? Yeah, like what's, what's that identity that they carve into you? I would say it's it's an identity to where you're you're part of a team and you have a higher mission. So those two concepts. And when in civilian world, one, it's a more individualistic civilian world now, so you're not really part of a team. And two, nobody really hands you, you know, a folder with life mission stamped on it. The military provides your purpose for you. You, you know, it's it's built into the whole thing. There's a value system, there's creeds to follow, there's guidelines, there's mentors. It's an entire culture. I, you know, I always tell people nothing is as all encompassing as the military is in your life. The military is a 24 seven dominating force. There's not another profession that has that kind of, you know, entire control over your life. Other than parenthood. <laughs> that could be true. That could be yeah. true. I'm not it's a, a military I'm not a... and it's my two year old. <laughs> right. They are a little more dominating than any military force could ever be. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'd say, you know, a, a lot of the people in charge of me in the military and the people I around were probably uh, about as mature as a two-year-old sometimes. <laughs> I've heard that. That's what, yeah. The, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of sold on the idea the military is the absolute best of the best. And that's not really true. We can admit that not everyone in the military is, you know, top caliber type person, mm -hmm. but everyone's in there with a, with a higher mission and, a, and on a team. And I think that the military can really uplift you into the person that you you can be, but and the hard part is maintaining that in the civilian world. That and that leads me right to the next question: How did it uplift you? Because if it wasn't about education prior to the military, how did it become about education during your service? It's so it's so easy to to look at the the downsides of the military. I think that's what a lot of people focus on is the negative aspects you get from your military service, but we forget about the upside to it, like. At first, I, I looked at my military experiences, especially when I was transitioning to college as a disadvantage, because I was like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm 30 now, and everyone else here is 19. I feel out of place. I feel isolated. And, you know, I'm struggling a little bit mentally. I have some physical issues, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I was struggling pretty bad with headaches, back pain, PTSD, and things like that. I was on sleeping medication. So, so easy to look at all these things like they were a huge disadvantage to me. And it took me a little bit of being at college and working with other student veterans to figure out the military mindset was actually, you know, an asset in the classroom. I mean, like, you know, like mentioned earlier, you know how to be on time, you know, which is probably one of the most essential aspects of being a successful adult is just being on time, the right place, the right uniform type stuff. Right. I remember my first or, you know, my first week in college, I got to one of my classes. And I got there 15 minutes early, like you're supposed to do in the military, because, you know, 15 minutes early is on time and on time is late. Yep. So then I'm I'm sitting there in the classroom looking at my watch and time goes by, time goes by, and nobody comes in. I'm like, uh, am I in the wrong room on the first day? Like, this is not a good start. So then, you know, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. And eventually some people start coming in and over half the class came in late on the very first day, which is just an unforgivable sin in military culture. I mean, yeah. that that reputation would stick with you, you know, forever if you were late on the first day. But that's what college is. And me being able to be on time, sit in front, look professional, really set me out for my peers and made me more, more of a uh, um, more mature student than the students around me. And you, I, I want to get to this first story that you mentioned in, in the book. Um, was that also the, uh, you mentioned this thing about yelling at a fellow classmate. You were like, you know, very much in the military mindset. You just started, you know, first class. Like th mm -hmm. th there was, you're watching these like teenagers walk in. You feel like you're double the age of them, double, you know, triple the maturity, you know, different life experiences. You know, tell me a bit about that, more about that first day. 
Yeah, but by the time you get to school, you're as a, you know, a student veteran, you're not a traditional student. Chances are you're older. Student veterans are more likely to have families, more likely to require employment. There's so much more that goes into being a student veteran than just your traditional high school kid. But my first my first class, you know, the first thing you do is you go around the room, you introduce yourself and everything. And the kids sitting next to me before me, you know, I'm sitting there, I have my assault pack, my and it still had like military patches and stuff on it. I don't call it a backpack, I call it an assault pack. And I'm sitting there and pretty much all my clothes are military related because all I had was military themed t-shirts and uniforms when I got out of the military. And so the you I can't really downplay my veteran status. I I still shave my head and stuff like that. I have all these military tattoos. And the kid next to me on his laptop, he's got a big sticker that says Bush did 9-11, which was kind of a red flag at first. But, you know, I'm sitting there. And so I give my introduction. My name's John. I just got out of the army, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, kind of that's it. And the next kid goes. And then after he gets done with his introduction, kind of as an afterthought, and he said, and I do want to say to the class, I don't look down on John for serving in the military. And I was like, at the time, the whole class was kind of silent. And I just, I lost my shit. You know, yeah. I was just ready to kill this kid. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, one, yelling is perfectly appropriate in the military. It's just a part of what it is. And so is cursing. However, these things are not acceptable in the college classroom, which I quickly found out as, you know, a few hours later, I'm talking to the guidance counselor about how you can't threaten to murder students in This college. is the part in the book that we missed. This, we only yeah. got the yelling. We didn't get the guidance yeah. counselor story. You know, then you're hey, the, the guidance counselor and I got to be friends because, you know, my first <laughs> week I struggled a little bit, yelled at a pref professor even. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's hard to transition um, and kind of leave the military identity behind, especially when veterans are used to things like yelling and cursing and dark humor. Right. I remember I had a professor ask me to stay after class. You know, I'd been in infantry my entire career, so it was, it was hard to kind of break out of that. And the professor said, hey, John, I, I love your contributions, uh, but you have to watch the language. And I said, I don't, what do you mean? And they're like, you said the F word like three times today. You can't do that. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that you know, I didn't even yeah, realize yeah. I was saying it. It's just like a filler. So there's there's some things that we need to leave in the military and some things we need to take forward. Some of our military habits are good, like showing up early. Some military habits like yelling and cursing, maybe maybe leave that behind. It's so interesting. This is a sidebar conversation that could lead us out of very different rabbit holes. So we won't dive into it. But in our time with BBC, you know, we have World War II vets, Korean vets, Vietnam vets, post 9-11 vets. But I will say that the post 9-11 vets swear way more than like the Korean World War II and Vietnam vets. It's like, no, we didn't swear back in World War II, <laughs> you know, but like now, it's like you said, it's just filler. It's just like something that is part of the vernacular while you're talking and, you know, on base or behind the wire. Yeah, I don't think a military brief or class has ever gotten done without quite a bit of cursing right so i think that society has probably gotten more impolite over time back then world war ii they were still you know a little bit a little more respectful gentlemen yeah. than, than right. we are today a little more gentlemanly yeah um okay so so that's interesting like changing your identity finding that new identity in the military and then coming into you know you're back you're at saint joseph's you're getting yeah, your, your bachelor's, York. right? Your bachelor's in history. Um, mm -hmm. Why did you decide on history that, you know, you came out and you said, okay, I'm going to get an education now. First question would be, did you think back on your time at the community colleges and sort of the, the, the failures that you experienced there? Were you confident though, going into St. Joseph's, like I'm a new me, I'm going to get this done. I was actually, I think more frightened at the time because, you know, I didn't really care when I was 18, but when I was going to school, that was kind of you know, a lot of veterans go to college like this is it. This is where I'm putting all my eggs into this basket. Mm -hmm. And if that didn't work out for me, I didn't really know what I would do. And that's why I think I ended up so successful in college, you know, ended up going to Harvard and all those things because I took my mil my classroom experience as serious as a military mission. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, it, it really just changed, changed the game to where I took this dedication into the classroom that other students just didn't have. Yeah. So it was more just my commitment, maybe even over commitment to education that really helped set me up for success. I chose history because initially I was thinking I wanted to be a teacher because that was what so what I loved about the military was teaching and training. So I went to my undergrad for um, to be a history teacher. And uh, how did you select St. Joseph's? That was just the school that was closest to where I was living when I got out. My last uh, year and a half I did as an army recruiter. 
did you, and you mentioned they was St. Joseph's a vet friendly college. Yeah. So, so they what, had, what, a, can you define that for me? Yeah. So they had like, that's when, when I talked to veterans, it's not only about that you're going to school. You also also have to put some thought into what school you're going to going to go to. Mm-hmm. And it really just made my college career that I went to a school that already had an established student veterans of America program. They had an entire student veterans lounge, a, a room set up at the school just for us, mm-hmm. where we had, you know, a big screen TV. There's some cute computers in there, coffee machine, and veterans could go we, connect, with, you know, connect with other veterans, eat, whatever. I, and then looking back, I'm not sure if they, they put all the veterans like away from most of the students so they didn't have to see us, <laughs> you know, see the cursing and stuff like that, or if they were really trying to help us, but, you know, the results the same. And then they also had a, a VA work-study program there. So a lot of colleges now have VA work-study programs, and that's when student veterans get jobs on campus. So I had a job helping other student veterans, and my my job was kind of everything student veteran-related. I would give tours of incoming veterans to the college. I would certify their benefits, make sure they're getting their money on time for books and things like that. And this led to me making a list, and I called it, because I'm so creative, I call it John's College Tips. And I gave it out and there was like 10 of them. And eventually those tips morphed into the chapters of my book because mm-hmm. it would just point student veterans to the resources that they needed to do to be successful in this college. That's great. And and it's also, you know, we've talked with like here in Pittsburgh where, where I'm recording from, uh, we have Pitt and they have, you know, the same thing, a, an office you know, for veterans um, to go and just be around other veterans, have that sort of camaraderie, have that sort of same maturity level, that same language. Uh, we had also on the scuttlebutt last season, Penn State. Penn State has a really great veteran-friendly office. You know, they're they're doing the same thing, just offering an area uh, where veterans can, you know, congregate and talk and share, you know, tips and you know anything really. Um, and a lot of the veterans that we had on that program said the only reason I went to Pitt is because they have this program. This this you know, this ability for me to be with other people that understand what I've, you know, what I've been through. Yeah. And you really, you miss that camaraderie. I mean, that's what you miss Mm -hmm. from the military is the opportunity to be around like-minded people. Um, So yeah, I think that's awesome because there, there you can better forge kind of a post-military identity, which, you know, every veteran kind of has who they were before the military, which just doesn't exist anymore because the military transforms you and you have who you are in the military, but you can't be who you were in the military in the civilian world just doesn't doesn't really work in a different context so if you're around other veterans you can kind of take that journey together because it is a transition that with no really clear endpoint when you got in the military it's not like you get out of the military take uniform off and suddenly you're a civilian again a lot of people kind of spend time hovering between both worlds to where they're really not in the military but don't feel comfortable as civilian and that leads to kind of you know an isolation type thing which is not good for veterans um because the military is not really it's not a job it's kind of more of a calling if you look at the military like a job honestly it's kind of a terrible job i mean they don't pay you very good they the food is terrible they send you places where people try to kill you you know it's it's not it's not a super great job the conditions are terrible yeah you don't get to um, shower like yeah, it's, it's, yeah. there are a lot of there are a lot of aspects to it that are not great you have to go spend christmases overseas all mm-hmm. those things so if you're around other veterans, you can really, you can really feel that kind of camaraderie that you miss from the military. So yeah, I think that, you know, in my book, I talk about, it's not only about that you're going to school, it's also picking the right school and program for you. But college also is a place where, you know, if you don't know what to do, which a lot of veterans don't know what to do when they're getting out, college is a good place to figure that out. And it gives you some time to kind of transform. A lot of veterans are like, I don't want to go to school because I don't know what I want to do. Well, you can figure that at school because the worst thing to do is to do nothing for veterans. And so college provides a good place to where you have these benefits. You might as well use them and you can kind of go through a period of self-discovery again, just like traditional students do when they go to school. Uh, and, and maybe this is a deep meant for a deeper conversation as well, but how far does the GI Bill take you? I mean, you, you did your undergraduate St. Joseph's, you did, you know, master's at, at Harvard. Um, did the GI Bill take you the whole way or, you know, if yeah, my job will- listening to yeah, my job took me the whole right. way. So I mean, oh, great, you do great. you do have to game plan a little bit if you want additional school, and they have ways that you can extend it through voc rehab. So if you have 
you know, if you're, if you have a disability percentage, you can apply for voc rehab to get additional training. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are overly focused on traditional education for the GI Bill, but it'll pay for a lot of different things. So a lot of veterans now are using their GI Bills to get into more trades and apprenticeships and things like that. Because, you know, as we know, I mean, welders make about three times as much as teachers do. So there's lots of things like that. And veterans are super great with hands-on experiential learning because that's what you do in the military. You can't learn how to shoot a rifle or do any military jobs, you know, behind a desk with a book. A lot of learning for veterans is good experientially. So there's so many of those programs to get into. I mean, you can use a dry bill to go to scuba school, flight school, you know, police academies, all those types of things, a huge varied varied amount of things so if you 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 do need to put some effort into game planning if you're looking to do something in higher education or master's or law degree or something like that was that intimidating um you know because because you have so many options and you just got out and you're not quite sure where you're going or what you want to do um was 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 trying to figure out that specific place that specific degree was that intimidating i think that you know I thought history teacher kind of off the bat and getting a college degree was just something you needed to do to do that. I thought, you know, that would work. And I I grew up playing sports. So I thought, Hey, I could go coach wrestling at the high school or something if I get a job doing that. Um, So for me, history kind of worked because I love, you know, I absolutely love World War II history. I love Vietnam history. You know, I had some relatives that were in Vietnam. So I think that getting, you know, for me, history just fit. And I think, but I don't think that veterans necessarily need to do, um, have that straight of a path i think that you know you can kind of go a little side to side or things like that you don't need necessarily need to be point a to point b because life civilian life isn't really like that the military is more linear to where you're just you know you're here you're here you're here you kind of understand career progression and civilian life's a little more chaotic a lot of people think that you know the military is real complicated and civilian life is easy but it's actually the opposite i you know if you watch forrest gump you know he's like I fit in the military real good because the drill sergeant you know, says, what do you do? And then, and then Forrest responds back. I do whatever you tell me to drill sergeant. He's like, and that's it. That's what the military is. You wake up early, you make your bed and you're going to be successful. Um, do you think that college in that same vein, college harder than the army? Have you, did you find it to be that way? I think that when veterans get to college, a lot of times it is harder than the army and a little more complicated. I mean, like I mentioned before, you have to juggle a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So student veterans are always older. They usually need employment. On top of that, over 50% of student veterans have some type of service-connected disability. And then by the time you get to college, most of the time you're moving across the country, you're transitioning out of the military, you're reforging your identity, and you're starting college again. So you put all that together, and it's kind of a, you know, kind of a disaster. And you put on top of that, like you veterans are more likely to have families, you're more likely to have children. And that makes education a little more difficult as you balance different things. Whereas your traditional 18, 19 year old student, obviously has less distractions. You took that 10, did did you take that top 10 list? And that's what became the book combat to college? Yeah, so those my college trips that I made, eventually, I was kind of running this you know, I was running the student veteran program at my mm-hmm. school and we had so many student veterans in there and I was kind of, you know, um, eventually enough of them were like, dude, you should write a book about college. And at the time I was like, write a book, you know, it kind of sounded weird at first. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at, you know, my college chips and I wrote some paragraphs about them, you know, why you need, you know, like one of the chapters is, you know, uh, reach up and reach down, which means you should have a mentor and then be a mentor because that's one of the programs I started at my college was, hey, everyone mentors someone and everyone has a mentor. And that really made a big difference in the, in the student veteran culture at my school to where we kind of had this, you know, military themed mentorship program going on. And then that helped so many veterans that they just, that eventually those paragraphs more longer. And then I self-published the first book. Also very star Wars of you. It's always, it's always two. <laughs> I do like star Wars. I think yeah, you gotta be, you got to be a Padawan before you're a Jedi, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, okay. So somebody's coming to this podcast. They're like, you know, I'm looking to figure out where I want to go for college. Why should I read your book, John? So if, well, if you're looking at where you want to go for college, then you got to figure that out first. Well, my book is designed, I, I look at college as a bridge between the military and civilian worlds. 
So, so many, first off, so many veterans who have the GI Bill don't take advantage of it. And so I'd like to give them the confidence to go to school. Secondly, a lot of the student veterans that start don't finish. Momentum really matters whether you're on the battlefield, life, or in college. If you build some momentum, you're good. And that's why student veterans that get through their first year are more likely to make it to graduation. So my book is really targeting people, you know, it's kind of a narrow window, but that first year of school, if you make it through that, you're going to be, you're going to make it to the end, chances are. So if you read my book, it gives you the tips, the tricks, as well as strategies and stories. You know, I wanted my book kind of be words from a friend. So it's not, it's not a real tell you what to do book or preach at you or anything like that. There's a lot of relatable stories about my experiences and the people that I know experiences going to college because the student veteran experience in school is different than traditional education. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that I wrote the book is because the book just didn't exist. Right. And so many of us start our civilian careers at college. And I wanted to meet veterans where they're at and help them where they're at. If you think about some of the statistics behind things, people with college degrees kill themselves less. So if more veterans get college degrees, more veterans will have better economic futures and chances are they'll do better mentally. You know, there's two, there's two types of people in the military, officers and civilians, two classes of people across all the branches. It's the exact same. Officers transition better, better out of the military. They struggle less with PTSD. They get divorced less. They kill themselves less and they have better economic futures post-military. And these two groups of people essentially have the same college experience or the same military experiences. They eat the same food. They work on the same basis, same ships and all those things. But officers do a hell of a lot better post-service. And the big difference between those groups is the college degree traditionally. Yeah. Cause you can, you can go to college and come out of college and be an officer. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, can you share with us without too many spoilers, some of the tips that are in the book? Sure. So one of the tips that, um, that I tell veterans, which kind of goes against the veteran grain, is to sit in front. So if you sit in front in your classroom, like a military classroom, you know, veterans a lot of times are more comfortable with your back to the wall, especially when you get out of the get out of the military. But in the military, you sit in front, you don't allow empty seats behind you in classrooms. And if you treat your military or your civilian class as like you did military classes, you're gonna pay attention. So if you sit in front, you're gonna pay attention, you're gonna not worry about distractions. You're not going to worry about the other students texting on their phones or on Facebook on the computers or anything like that. You can pay attention to the class. So one thing I tell veterans is sit in front in the middle. Right up there. Be be, be present and be Be present. Yeah, that's what it is. It's about being present in your classroom and making sure professor knows who you are and all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk a bit about the, you know, Going into St. Joseph's, I'm sure, was, you know, a bit of a learning curve, like we talked mm-hmm. about. Um, going to Harvard's a different level. Yeah. I choose Harvard, <laughs> and why Why challenge yourself to that level? Well, that's what I think that it's it's easy for veterans when you get out of the military to stop pursuing challenges, because challenges and competition are just built into the military. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of veterans, when they get out, they think, okay, my glory days, my challenges are behind me. And a lot of veterans think that even at like 22, I mean, I've met veterans who are, you know, 22, 23, and they, they view their best years as behind them because the, you know, their military experience with their friends and all that. Yeah. So, um, can, can you ask that question again? Yeah, sure. It's, um, uh, going from St. Joseph's to Harvard. Oh, right. Okay. Like so challenging yeah, for me, yourself in that way. Yeah. I grew up with cornfields in my backyard as a kid. So Harvard was as far as ways, you know, it's like Hogwarts, like it was just kind of, I didn't know anyone who went to Harvard, entirely new type of thing. And when I went to school, I was never really academically inclined growing up. And in college, when I got there, I was just getting straight A's, just blasting all the way through, and really, really enjoying the process. And I was thinking at the time, okay, I got to go to grad school, I want to go to grad school. And my mother was like, apply to Harvard. And I, at the time, I kind of laughed at her and I was like, that sounds ridiculous, you know. <laughs> and then I looked at it and I said, okay, I'll, you know, I can apply for free. I mean, we'll, you know, whatever. The worst they can do is say no. And that's why a lot of veterans, they stop themselves because they, you know, they're a little, I don't want to say afraid of challenges, mm-hmm. but they think they're part of the challenging life is behind them. So I applied, I got in, I was a little thrown thrown by that, but I was, you know, obviously went there and graduated. Yeah. So what was it like oh. getting that letter, that acceptance letter? What was, 
that was it was pretty cool it was yeah. a cool it was it was very cool feeling it felt like um i it kind of felt like i made it i i would say mm-hmm. which you know of course but the acceptance letter is one thing getting to getting to the school and graduating is a different thing but i was lucky i i studied college and it, and the school experience so much mm-hmm. that i went to harvard took the same military mentality in there and was able to obviously make it through uh is harvard vet friendly as well no Interesting. Really. Okay, so let's talk about those differences. You know, if it's vets coming out, he's looking for a vet friendly place, but finds a not vet friendly college that he wants to go to, or he or her wants to go to. You know, how do you choose? What do you, you do have in to, that case? You have to create your own community. So if there's not going to be a student veteran community at the school, you have to find other communities. A lot of veterans are kind of too attached to the idea of military communities. Oh, I need to, you know, which is a good starting point, especially at colleges, because you understand those types of things but then you have to find another community. So what I did is I found a fitness community at the college because that kind of, you know, is like the military. So finding people who are into fitness to hang around with and all those things. I also joined the local VFW and American Legion there, kind of connected with older veterans. And, but yeah, it's a huge shift to go from being surrounded by veterans. I think I went to Harvard Graduate School of Education and there was, um, I think 600 people in there, only two veterans, me and one other guy. Wow. So it was, that was, that was a much different experience, but I kind of looked at it, you know, one of the tips in my book is called, uh, build, put on your armor. So your Mm -hmm. support system is like your armor. So you, but you have to put it on and maintain it. And in the military, we're so used to support and a community around us that when we get out and it falls away, it's hard, but it just takes creating your own team in the military. You don't get a choice who you serve with. I'm not served with a lot of people who would not be my first choice (laughs) and that had to work for a lot of people who I would prefer not to work for again in the future. But in your civilian life, you create your own team. So that's the big difference. If someone's listening is like, what's a not, not friendly veteran campus. It's that they just don't have a, like an office for veterans. They don't have like support systems for veterans. It's, it's kind of. Yeah. I mean, every college will, will claim to be military friendly. If you go to the website, it's going to be military friendly because they want that GI Bill money. Colleges are businesses now more than ever. Right. So they really want, you know, and the GI Bill pays full tuition. There's no scholarships or anything like that. So they want those big checks. So they want you to go there. But at the same time, what you can do is look at one, uh, graduation rates of that college. Because if the college doesn't have good graduation rates, then you might not want to attend it. And two, if they have an active student veterans of America club or an active student veterans organizations there, anything like that, um, then it's a good idea. Colleges around military bases always have pretty strong military friendly things, which is, you know, seems obvious, but that's kind of the way it goes. Um, but yeah, Harvard, not real military friendly as far as just just because there are not many veterans there. So you, you get your master's, but what's the next step? It's, uh, you know, you get out. I, mean, I know back when I graduated college, it was like, okay, well, I did it, but what do I do now? <laughs> so in, yeah, that's and another thing my book gets into is, College is a great, is one of the best places in the world to network. A lot of veterans only put on their networking hat like once or twice a year. They put on their suit, they go to a networking event. But college is, you know, the military is a lot more what you know organization and civilian world is more who you know. So in college provides an excellent place for veterans to find people and network and create opportunities for themselves post-service. A lot of people get too wrapped up into the actual the grades and the educational aspect of college. But what you really get out of college is the ability to make your life successful post-service. And most of that starts with networking and things like that. So my book encourages people to, you know, volunteer, to join clubs, to get in different organizations that aren't only student veteran organizations, mm-hmm. take internships, study abroad, do everything you can to set yourself up for a successful life post-service because you don't want to just walk across a graduation stage. Like you mentioned, you'd be like, okay, now what you should already have an idea and you know the the time you should start playing that is your first day in college kind of like when you're in the military you're on your way out no matter if you got one you know one day left or 20 years left eventually everyone who doesn't give their life and serves the country gets out of the military right and and how many uh, remind us how many years were you in the military i was in the military 10 years 10 years yeah so yeah so you're pretty ingrained in that 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 whole society that you know that culture yeah, it's and and the longer you're in, obviously, the deeper, the bigger impact it has on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a lot of people, 
you know, and the longer you in, the the less chance you have of killing yourself too, which is one of those interesting statistics. Now I'm getting into working in different uh, veteran mental health things. And one of the reasons that I, you know, targeted education as my first approach is because people with college degrees don't kill themselves as much. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, what protective factors can we put around veterans? And also people that make more money don't kill themselves as much. So if you go to college, you know, the more you learn, the more you earn type type thing. So I really want to help veterans get through their education and that will help them for a successful life after that. Um, your website, can you talk a bit about what's on there and, you know, how you continue to add content and what you do? Yeah, so my website is johnhdaviswriter.com. And on there, I have my book for sale, Combat for College. I also have a student veteran semester journal, which I did as kind of a companion to the book. So my journal, what it does is take you through a classic 16-week semester. So if you're not really interested in necessarily reading the book, but my book is a quick, entertaining read. It's not not very long or anything like that. Um, but if you're interested, I have a semester journal on there, and it takes you through your 16 weeks with tips, tricks. There's calendars. There's a monthly budgeting because you know you have to be able to track your money and all those things like that. Um, and there's also strategies to be successful week to week. Um, on there, I also have a coaching program for student veterans I developed. So if you're interested, if you're in a student veteran program, you're interested in mentoring other student veterans, I developed a coaching program for student veteran to student veteran, which is one of the things I spoke to Congress about when I went last year. And I also have my blog where I write just general articles about veterans, everything from tattoo therapy for veterans, talk about military tattoos, to student veteran networking, and you know, lots of different articles to help to help veterans. Uh the Congress, you went and spoke to them. Did you ever think you'd find yourself in that position? And what was that like? That was actually, it was a very growing experience and a big wake up call. Mm-hmm. So I was, my, my idea was I wanted to expand the VA work study program and get more economic opportunities for student veterans during school. Because like I mentioned, student veterans are more likely to need to work. So I wanted student veterans to be able to work at their school and paid for by the VA. So my idea was to create a paid mentorship program for student veterans. And I kind of saw it working perfectly in my mind, like a student veteran will come to the school, be mentored by an advanced student veteran who will go through this program to become like a student veteran coach. And then that student veteran will make it up and then, you know, mentor another student veteran kind of self-repeating program. And I worked really hard on this thing with uh, the Student Veterans of America in DC. And we created this big proposal, this I have charts, I have graphs, I have, you know, all this research done for, you know, 20 years of post 9-11 student veteran experiences in college. And by the time I got to actually speak to Congress, I couldn't really get anyone, uh, I would say, to care very much. So I remember meeting this one congresswoman from my home state, and I was so excited because, you know, she was from my home state and everything. And I had this big proposal planned, and I had, you know, all this legislative ideas i'd written the legislation basically i needed someone to take it forward to put it in a budget and uh the when i sat down with the woman just okay john i have about uh 60 seconds and i gotta run so i had to try and i was like okay well this had taken me like nine months to get Mm -hmm. to this point you know from start to all the way here and i had worked with the veterans of foreign wars legislative team and the student veterans of america legislative team and just to hear that was kind of just heartbreaking to where i was like ah like, and that's when I realized that veterans can't rely on people that, like that to help us. We can't rely on anything other than ourselves. So it really took, it really ingrained in me a sense of personal responsibility and where, okay, I want to work more directly with veterans because I can't, I can't put my hopes and dreams on, on the people in, in DC, or, you know, I can't put my hopes and dreams on like the VA because they're not going to save you. You have to put your hopes and dreams on yourself. Uh, that's gonna. That's a great segue into uh, what will be a future episode of the Scuttlebutt. We're gonna have some veterans who are representatives onto the program. And uh, and as a side question for you, how important do you feel it is that that veterans continue like into public service after uh, after their service because of issues like this, where they may sit down and understand where you're coming from. I'm, I'm guessing that this representative from your home state is not a veteran. You are um, correct. Yeah. So probably does not have veteran issues top of mind, but also I would hope personally as a person who, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a veteran, 
but I would hope that my representative from my state could sit down with a veteran for more than 60 seconds and say, what do you need? You serve the country. What is what the veterans need right now? Right. I think that we have kind of the veteran community has kind of allowed ourselves to become a community living beneath our potential. I think mm-hmm. that we've kind of accepted a lower role in society. And a lot of that's because there's such a big gap between the military and civilian populations that we kind of stay within our isolated bubbles. So I think veterans should really, you know, your 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 service isn't over when you take uniform off. If anything, for me, I feel like my service to the country more accurately began when I got out of the military because that's when I felt like I was making more of a difference in something that I was passionate about and not something the military was, you know, telling me to do or anything like that. So I, th- I would like to see more veterans step up into public service roles and kind of be more of a cultural force. I think that, and we do that a lot of what, like what your organization does was tell veteran stories. If we continue to let Hollywood tell our stories, they'll continue to portray us as, you know, broken, scarred, PTSD filled. Or you know, John Wayne, you know, one yeah. army type. It's, exactly. It's one of the two, which is, I've always kind of found that, that dichotomy interesting to where, you know, we're viewed as like GI Joe, you know, superhuman when we're serving. And as soon as we take the uniform off, we're viewed at, you know, as, as broken or homeless yeah, or something right. to be discarded or whatever. So I think that veterans telling our stories will help a lot um, in creating a cl- more closer connection to the civilian population. That's really well put. Um, and and, and I'm, thank you for answering that because that is a bit off, off subject, but I find it very I find it very demoralizing that that you only got 60 seconds to talk about this thing that is, is very important for veterans and, and could be a really uh, wonderful resource for someone going into college, you know? Yeah, and and that's, you know, like you mentioned earlier, sometimes, I mean, disappointments are a part of life and veteran the veteran experience, you're always going to have setbacks. I mean, nobody said the veteran experience was going to be easy and that's why veterans need to seek discomfort and not necessarily comfort you have to keep growing keep pursuing challenges keep working post-service uh and above all don't give up i want to go back to something you said because i want to hear a little bit more if you could elaborate uh, a bit more is that whenever you decided to enlist it was more about like okay um community college didn't work out i'll go join the army because that's something that you know i could will straighten me out um Mm -hmm. but within that there doesn't seem to be, or at that time, doesn't seem to be this, I want to serve my country. But that identity shift that you found in the military, did that that flip a switch in you where whenever you left after 10 years, you were like, I want to continue to serve this country. This is something that has become part of my identity. Yeah, I think the country for too long has, you know, and myself included, has kind of looked at the military as an option of last resort for American youth. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, it if the other things don't work out, you join the military or like Vietnam, go to war, go to jail, that kind of mentality kind of, kind of stays strong. And what happened to me is I fell in love with the people around me. I fell in love with their stories. I mean, no other group besides veterans is, you know, really as diverse in the country. We come from every background, every race, every religion, from every corner of the country, and we're put together and somehow we make it work. And it really gave me faith, not only in the military and its missions, but also in the overall country, because he took these people. I mean, I remember you know, my first platoon in Tennessee was just people from every single con- every single you know corner of the country, and we worked together as a team for a higher mission. And I, I felt like keeping the idea of having a higher mission of a real purpose in my life was very important post-service, so I didn't lose myself, because a lot of veterans really lose themselves when they get out because they lose that purpose, because they lose that community. So I wanted to build a community around myself and then also keep pursuing something. And yeah, I think it's just, I fell in love with the people around me, uh, you know, every day throughout my military career. Awesome. My last question for you is the the book that, you know, Combat to College is, it's not a one-stop shop. Can, Can veterans get in touch with you if they have questions? Is there a way to do that through your website or Twitter or, you know, another avenue to say, hey, I, you know, I, I have a couple other questions. Would you mind answering them? Yeah, the um, I, on my website, I have a contact form. I'm also on Instagram as John H. Davis writer. Um, I do a lot of talks to student veteran groups, you know, kind of around the country, whether through Zoom or real life. So if you'd like me to come, you know, speak to your student veteran organization or maybe answer questions to help help out your program. Or if you'd like, um, you know, my, my coaching method is for free on my website. So if you're interested in that, that's on there. It has a ton of 
amazing ideas on how to get through a semester. One of the things that it does do is teach veterans to set goals because you need goals throughout your academic career. So one thing that I recommended student veterans to do when I was doing coaching is set a physical goal, an emotional goal, a social goal, and an academic goal. So those four goals each semester. And then at the end of each semester, you know, throughout the semester, I'd help veterans reach those goals. So there are a lot of resources on my website, um, which is a good place to start. And, you know, obviously the book is a tremendous resource for student veterans. And I would recommend that anybody listening, not just YouTube and search for John Davis, because you're going to get a lot of corn references. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. Not I was the like, first time oh, I've heard that. Yeah. Interviews of John. So I put in John Davis and I'm like, I did not know the lead singer of Corn was Jonathan Davis. So. Yeah, and you know, there there's another author named John H. Davis as well, but luckily he died a few a while back. So. Luckily, <laughs> uh, John, I, this has been a wealth of information, and thanks for diving into a couple of the rabbit holes with me. Uh, it's all it's it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the program. I, I want to give you the final word if there's anything that you'd like to uh, say to any of our audience members listening in. Yeah, I just you know I. Um. Gosh, final word that, that puts a lot of pressure on me. That's a good question. Well, l like I mentioned earlier, you know, school is an excellent place to start for veterans. Uh, it really provides an, an amazing bridge between the military and civilian worlds, but it's so easy to fall off that bridge. And what my book does is take you from one side to the other. And like I mentioned, it's not only about getting a degree and graduating, it's about reaching your potential because college is an excellent place to grow as a person. And when we get out of the military, it's not the time to start declining. It's the time to start growing because now your life is in your own hands and college is an excellent first place. So I want to encourage more veterans to go to school. And if you're on your way there, you might as well pick up my book because it'll help you get through it. See, softball question. You cranked it out of the park. <laughs> expected no less. Uh, to our audience, we will have in the descriptions here uh, links to both John's uh, website and his book. We hope you check it out uh, and check out John's uh, um, many, uh, many blog posts and different things on the, on the website, which you know, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, we're very educational as well. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. Uh, John, thank you again for joining us on The Scuttlebutt. I uh, hope to have you on the program again. Thanks, John. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank both of our sponsors, the first being DND Metal Recycling and Auto Salvage. They began as a small hauling and used auto parts operation in the Pittsburgh area in the late 1970s, but they've grown into a full-service metal recycling company with two locations, Lawrenceville and Tarentum. DND accepts all types of metal, both ferrous and non-ferrous, that may be generated by industrial manufacturing, construction and demolition, small commercial entities, as well as individual customers. They have a wide variety of material handling equipment and are capable of managing any type of job in a timely and efficient manner. You can contact them for quotes and availability at D&D. That's D&D Auto Salvage. Dot com. Uh, thank you so much to DND. Uh, they've been a sponsor for quite some time, and we really appreciate their support. Uh, the second being Tobacco-Free Adagio Health. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and to getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health. So they want people to quit and they have classes and nicotine replacement therapy and a popular quit line, which is the easiest number to remember ever, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. Finally, Tobacco-Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all of what Tobacco-Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org, or you can watch our recent episode with Tobacco-Free Adagio Health on the Scuttlebutt, uh, where they talk about a lot of the programs that they offer for those who are looking to quit. Thank you to both of our sponsors for their continued support of the Scuttlebutt podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks.